Hello everyone. I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Westfield Sunday service. Um, Today is going to be a little bit different. I'll read real quick from Exodus 20 verse 12. It says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So today marks another holiday in our culture. Now a holiday is just another way to say a holy day. Why do we call them as such? Because they are special days, unique from others throughout the year, in which we dedicate to remembering something. Examples of this are Thanksgiving, Christmas, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Independence Day, and as we celebrated a few uh, weeks ago, Mother's Day. Today is one of those days. Today is a day we take time to consider those who have been with us, individuals without whom we would not exist. Yes, the other side of the spectrum from our mothers, our fathers. Fatherhood is something which our broader society has neglected in recent years. Like mothers and motherhood, fathers and fatherhood have taken quite a beating from where it used to be. Whereas in the past, fathers were respected. All too often in the media and in the culture today, fathers are given a lack of respect. All too often, they are seen as the bumbling fools, the Homer Simpsons of the world. The guy who rarely tries... But when they do, they just end up getting in the way most of the time. So like mothers, fathers, and fatherhood in general is in need of some defending. It's in need not only of defending, but also of understanding. Where can we go for understanding the importance of fatherhood? When we consider fathers and fatherhood, what is the best place to look for understanding with this concept? Are we to simply accept what the culture has been telling us fatherhood is, or is there another place to look? If fatherhood is merely a social construct, then we would be unable to say anything more about it. But if it is not merely a social construct, but something which is more, then we should have some evidence of what that looks like outside of society. The question for the Christian then is, do the scriptures provide us information on fatherhood? Does it discuss with us an understanding of fatherhood which is not merely a social construct, but something which is ingrained within humanity as we are created by God? If this is the case, and if this is true, then not only would there be evidence of this within the scriptures, but it would also mean that what the scriptures say about fatherhood would be significant. So, the question is, do the scriptures say anything? Well, yes, they do. I think a lot of times when we think about fathers, the first thing that comes to our mind is Paul when he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, there are a number of things to consider from that passage um, that we can discuss. The first is the necessity for children to obey their parents. The basis for Paul saying this is the Ten Commandments, and we read over that in Exodus. Paul recognizes that of the Ten Commandments, it is the one which comes with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. The promise, then, is that they would have a long life and, well, a blessed life. Obedience to our parents clearly has importance to God. He wants us to obey our fathers. He wants us to especially honor them in this way. It is 
honoring to our fathers when we take heed of their wisdom and their knowledge, when we seek them out for understanding, and when we obey them when they speak to us. However, that does not mean that fathers are to act in any way that they want. While it is true that, they are, that we are to obey them, that does not give them free reign to do things as they see fit in their own eyes either. Instead, we are told that they are to not provoke their child children to anger. Thus, fathers should refrain from doing things which would cause their children to look scornfully upon them. Being a domineering father can have this effect on children. Being a father who does not love can do this as well. The goal for fatherhood, then, is not to cause your children to hate you or to do things which would cause them scorn or anger. Instead, there's a better way, and Paul recommends it by saying, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Notice, Paul does not say, do not discipline children. He does not say, give them everything that they want. Instead, he calls on fathers to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Lord himself disciplines. He chastises his children. However, the goal for such discipline is not for us to hate God, but to see the difference between what is right and wrong. The scriptures teach that God disciplines those he loves. Why? Because discipline itself teaches us when we are in the wrong, so that way we can be righted. But it does not end with discipline. Paul also says that they are called to bring their children up in the instruction of the Lord. Do you know what this means, fathers? It means that we have a responsibility to teach and train our children in the ways of God. We have a responsibility to teach our children about the God of the universe, the God who has revealed himself in the scriptures. What does this require of us? Well, it requires us to be knowledgeable about God ourselves. It requires us to be willing to learn more about God so we can further train our children in his ways. It will not do for us to be stagnant in our knowledge of God because then our children will become stagnant as well. Instead, we are to continue our own pursuit of knowing this God. Do you know what else that means? It means that we are called to be theologians. Theology comes from two Greek words, Theos, which means God, and Logi, which means to study. Thus, theology means the study of God. To be a theologian means that one studies and gains knowledge in knowing God. This means we need to read our Bibles, but it also means we need to be aware of our church history. It means learning more about God in this world. It means being willing to teach that which we have been taught but also making sure that what we teach and what we have been taught are in the right. So from this, we learn a few important things. The first is our fathers are to be honored. They are our fathers for a reason. God has placed them in our lives for his glory, and we can be sure God would not make such a mistake. They are to be disciplinarians to train their children, not for the purpose of embarrassment or scorn, but for wisdom in that uh, they would learn what is right and wrong, their children. But also we need to remember that fathers are called to be theologians, to understand God and seek God and know more about God as they continue forward themselves. This, of course, leads to another point found in these verses, which is fathers are called to be instructors. But before we reflect on that, it is not only in this text we find this to be the case. Consider a few verses from the Proverbs. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are grace full garland for your head and pendants for your neck, Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. 
Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Proverbs 4, 1, 2. A primary purpose of fathers are to be theologians, and because of this, then they are also called to teach. We saw how Paul used this same concept when describing the father's role of instruction. I find this to be interesting within the context of modern society. Why is that? Well, consider society. Who are the ones who teach? Teachers. They are the knowledgeable ones who have all the information. Parents, especially fathers, are not seen to be instructors. They are seen as usually providers at best. Yet the scriptures are clear that fatherhood involves teaching, taking our children under our wings and showing them the paths that they should follow. It is not surprising that this is the case. Fathers are important for our development as human beings. They, like our mothers, are the foundation on which our knowledge begins. How they train us, then, will have repercussions for the rest of our lives. We see this in society at large, as general, generational habits form for both good and ill. Fathers have a responsibility to make sure that they are training their children in the right and good ways of the Lord, helping form habits within their children which are good. This makes me think of a recent Facebook post of one Carl Mosier. Now, none of you know him personally, well at least most of you don't know him personally, but in a way, you do know him because he has been a great friend of mine over the years and a great teacher. I first met Dr. Mosier at Eastern where I took his course in the New Testament book of Hebrews. From that, I met an individual who cared deeply for glorifying God through his work and education. As time went on, Dr. Mosier and I became good friends, and he even officiated Chris and, and my wedding. But as I've said, it isn't just Dr. Mosier's ethical conduct and his care for scholasticism. It was also that he wanted to glorify God in all of his life, not just his work, but also with his home life, loving his wonderful wife Elizabeth and his blessed children. Well, enough about the man. The point of all this is about an encounter he had with a number of years ago. This is what he says took place. Catechizing in action. The Jehovah's Witness at my door observed that most people have no hope, don't know how to deal with the loss of loved ones, and have no source of comfort. I agreed, turned to my 10-year-old son Silas, and asked, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Without missing a beat, he answered, that I am not my own but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the powers of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. The Jehovah's Witness couple thought his answer was spot on and beautiful. The Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, remains one of the best theological statements ever penned. I shared that story as an example. Some might hear this and think, wow, what a bright young boy that Silas is. But I think you would also be missing something if you were to say that. While it is true we often give credit to those youth who are bright, and I think Silas is incredibly bright, I think we often can at the same time think far less of our youth than we ought. That is, 
This kind of catechism teaching was common up until fairly recently, within the last hundred years or so. What has happened? Why is it that we consider this youth special when it is normal to teach our kids these things previously? Because of these things, I think it rests more with the parent rather than the child. You see, if my friend Dr. Mosier wasn't interested in training up his children in the way they should go and instructing his children in the ways of God and sound theology, then it was far less likely that young Silas would have had the answer available to him for such a significant question. But as it is, Dr. Mosier does care and does want his children to be raised in the knowledge of God. And because of that, he has encouraged and taught them the value of knowing God and knowing about God. He has instructed his children in wisdom, in the Bible, in the beautiful texts of church history. And it has ultimately clearly benefited them and brought much glory to God. Now the truth is, these things are not merely applicable to our biological fathers. Consider more what we read in 1 John 2, 12-14. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of the Lord abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Now also consider 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 where we read, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. In these verses we find hope on many accounts. The first is for those who feel as though they have failed in some capacity with fatherhood in general. The simple truth is, it is never too late to be a good father to your biological children or your children in the church. Those in this younger generation are in need of seeing men of faith who persevere. Men who are faithful to Christ, who give their lives to obedience to him by loving their wives and teaching their children. There are those like myself who are younger who always need to be reminded and taught these things. And I see that when I see the people in the congregation and faithful members of the church at large. In that sense, you older men are our faithful fathers of the faith. You older men must make your shoulders strong for the next generation of Christians, for the benefit of this congregation, for the glory of God, and also in regards to the world. Whether these are your biological children or not does not change the fact that you are fathers to those of the younger generations within the church. Not only fathers as fathers, but as grandfathers to each of us. So we see how this gives each of us further hope, and we can consider it further. Let's say you didn't have the greatest dad growing up. Maybe he wasn't around. Maybe he didn't do a great job teaching, or the teaching and instruction he gave were harsh and caused you more pain than anything. Maybe he wasn't even around. Well, here in the church, by God's grace, you will find fathers who will take care of you, who will watch over you, who will love you and cherish you, instructing you in the faith. This is their role, their call, as older generation of men to lead the younger generation the truth for our benefit. But it should also give us hope for those who feel as though they could have been better, but weren't. Those who are biological fathers who have failed. 
Well, here in the church, there is always redemption. You can learn here from other men how to be better, not only to your biological children, but also to your spiritual children. You can continue to grow. Some might fear that there is no hope for change, but in Christ, we know change is possible. It does, in fact, happen. And now, as a side note, you may remember Dr. Mosier, who I was talking about. A lot of people will think, oh, well, he probably grew up under that kind of the same atmosphere. He didn't. His father left when he was young. And his stepfather wasn't much better in regards to teaching theology or about God. So change is possible. Likewise, it gives us hope for this family of believers. Um, It reminds us we are not alone on this road of faith. We who are younger have this older generation to see what it looks like further down the road, to encourage us and guide us further on the path. Though at times things look dark for us and though we struggle, we know that the men before us have struggled too. And still God has kept them in his grace. Thus, we should find peace in our elders as they train us not only intellectually, but in the very reality of God and what he bestows upon us. Finally, the verses we just looked at from Timothy remind us of something more. Even if you have had no biological children in the church, you find children aplenty. Because you, elder men of the church, are father figures to each of us and to our children. Thus, even those who have no children become fathers in the church. And it is a glorious and beautiful thing to consider that God, in his own way, redeems childlessness in his congregations. Praise God for this. Now, one final thought that comes with Father's Day is found throughout the New Testament. And that is something which we find in the Lord's Prayer as we say it together every Sunday. Our Father who is in heaven. The concept of God being our Father is strong within the Scriptures, but especially in the New Testament. It stems from Christ, his atonement, our redemption through his blood. It is through Christ we are able to pray to God as our Father in heaven. The concept of God being our Father has direct ramifications for us. It means that we are no longer merely created beings. Instead, it means that God looks at each one of us, who we are in in the faith, as his own children if we believe. It means that when he looks at you, if you are in Christ, he sees his own child whom he loves. Often, we can think that this is the case with all people, but the truth is the scriptures very explicitly teach that it is those who are in Christ who experience this love of God. And it is a love which is unlike any other kind of love, for no other love can be as complete as the love of God for his son. And hence, no love can be as complete as his love for each of us if we believe in his son. Thus, above all in the church, above all other fathers, is our great God who loves us as our Father. For those of us who are fathers here on earth, it is Him we look when we want to understand what it means to be a father for our children. It is He whom we are called to reflect. We consider His ways, how He is gracious to us, loving toward us, who disciplines us, encourages us, teaches us, abides with us, is compassionate toward us, so we are able to to be toward our own children. We have the greatest teacher when it comes to fatherhood, and that is God himself. It also means no matter the circumstances, we can be sure that we are not fatherless if we are in Christ. We all have our Father in heaven who watches over us with his grace and with his peace. 
This also reminds each of us men that fatherhood is not something trivial. It is a reflection of God himself. Thus, it is no small thing to be a father. It is a high calling, a great blessing to be a father. And because of this, we should strive all the days of our lives to be the best fathers we can be for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now know our Father in heaven, and for the benefit of our biological and spiritual children. Indeed, we can reflect these very things onto our children. In this way, they will become themes which are familiar to them, For our young boys, who will become familiar with strength, wisdom, knowledge, grace, peace, and love, and grow into men who follow this good and godly path. For our young girls, who will not only learn to walk in the same way, in this strength, and with this wisdom, knowledge, grace, peace, and love, but also they will become women as they grow. And then they will seek out men who also know these things in their lives from marriage because it will be familiar and comfortable for them. In a world in which so many men and women are abused and heartbroken, I can think of no better medicine than familiarizing our children with these things, reflecting godliness onto them so that way they understand it and know it. That said, fatherhood is no easy thing. It comes with its fair share of heartaches. It comes with sorrow, watching our children grow, knowing that each one will experience their own sorrows, recognizing that there will be times when our children must face things on their own. Our hearts break for them knowing that each will experience life, knowing how much hurt there can be. If that is the case, If our children must face a dark world, then let us continue to shine the light of Christ on them that they may find their way homes in the darkness, giving them strength for the future, letting mercy lead, and letting grace be in every one of their steps. My hope is that we would remember our fathers fondly, not just our biological fathers, but also those who are our spiritual fathers. All of those men who have watched over us Uh, the course of our lives and that we would give thanks to God for them. No Christian is without cause of praise for fatherhood for even if we have had imperfect fathers or even if we have not been perfect fathers or even if we had had no biological sons or daughters, we know our great father in heaven who watches over us in love. So today, celebrate fathers and fatherhood. Pray For your fathers, that they would receive wisdom and grace to continue to lead their families further into the gospel of Christ. Encourage them each day to remain faithful to the calling of what God has called them to be as fathers, honoring them in their calling. To all of our fathers, both spiritual and biological, those who have affected me personally so greatly, every single man in this congregation, and even those who aren't here, I give thanks to each of you on behalf of all of those whom you have touched. May God be with you today and all the days of your lives. And may each of you bear the good fruit of faithfulness to God, knowing that it is from our Heavenly Father that all good things flow. Proclaim the gospel and know that fruit. Amen. I thank all of you for joining us today. and. We'll have a brief prayer, and then we'll close out today's service. Father, we thank you so much for what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ. 
We thank you that you are truly our Father in heaven if we have faith in Christ. And that for this reason we can celebrate today. That none of us have to feel alone or forsaken, but that through your Son, Jesus Christ, we're able to have peace with you, which means that we are never forsaken. And that no matter what our circumstances, we have you, who is our Father in heaven. And so, Lord, for our fathers who are here, who reflect this great love, we ask that you would bless them and keep them. We ask that you would give them guidance. We ask that you would continue to bestow upon them your great grace. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for the redemption which is found through Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that who you are. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I thank you everyone for joining us this Sunday. I pray that our fathers would have a great week in the Lord and that all of you would have a wonderful week in the Lord knowing the grace of Jesus Christ. Go out in his name. God bless everyone.